Welcome into the Solo Shot Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dom Manna. Happy Solo Shot Saturday, everybody. This was a week in sports that really makes you think about ancillary things. And I'm wearing my Patriots shirt today because it was made official uh, throughout the weekend and then the week that Bill Belichick is done as the Patriots head coach. I know this is a baseball podcast, uh, but I'll tie that in. Uh, Growing up a Boston sports fan, I've been completely blessed uh, to watch Red Sox win multiple championships after years of me not existing, uh, them failing to do so, and the Patriots, the very same thing. Appreciate the greats while you get to, especially if – Therefore, your hometown or favorite team. Because we're seeing a lot of greats leave uh, in baseball. Terry Francona and Dusty Baker both retired after the end of the season. We saw Miguel Cabrera hang it up. There's less and less guys that are true legends and greats that are active in the sports world. And you just got to appreciate them while they're there. Uh, that's why I try to give as much attention to Shohei Otani as possible because I think that he still doesn't get talked about enough. That's why I try to, every time someone is nearing a milestone, try to push them to get there, even if it's not a major one, even if it's just 300 home runs or 2,000 hits. I want them to get there uh, because it's an achievement that not everybody gets to. There's... Only 1% of Major League Baseball players enshrined in Cooperstown that have ever played the game. The other 99%, not all of them get to 300 home runs. Not all of them get to 2,000 hits, respectively. So it's just something to, uh, to really think about heading into this season where now that Miguel Cabrera is retired, we have no active 500 home run players. Giancarlo Stan is the closest at 402. We have no 3,000 hit club members. There's only a couple people that are above 2,000 active. And the 3,000 strikeout club looks to have two members on the way. If Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw sign and pitch somewhere this year, they both should join the 3,000 strikeout club with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, who are both active. Scherzer's going to miss a lot of the first half of the season, but he's still not retired yet. But you got to appreciate these guys while they're still doing it. Uh, There's something that us Hall of Fame fans call the window. And it's the time between when a player retires, even if they're a first ballot slam dunk Hall of Famer, and their five years where they're not in baseball Hall of Fame discussions while they wait for that time for them to debut on the ballot. We call it the window because... Even the most beloved players, even the players with the best careers, they somehow find a way to not get appreciated after they're gone. Uh, And some of them don't even get appreciated while they were doing it. So I'm going to keep pushing to do that, whether it's a manager like Bruce Bochy 
who was already a Hall of Famer but came back and won another championship in his first dang year for all the amazing workhorse pitchers that are at the end of an era, the up-and-coming guys like uh, Garrett Cole, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, who are well on the Hall of Fame path. But just appreciate those players a little bit longer, whether they're at the end of their career like Andrew McCutcheon and Joey Votto, or if they're just starting out. Uh, there's only going to be so many prime Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt years, Ronald Acuna years. So enjoy them while you have them. Uh, thank you, Bill, for everything you did for the Patriots over your 24 years of service. It truly made my childhood a lot better uh, being able to root for the best dynasty in national football history. Now, Blake Snell, there are a lot of rumors going around that his ask is crazy. Not the annual value. He's looking for about $30 million a year, which, I mean, you're coming off your second Cy Young Award. But he's asking for nine years. Now, I understand Blake Snell doesn't have a lot of miles on the arm. He's a guy who's like a five-inning specialist. Uh, but nine years, when you're in your 30s, it really adds up. And paying a guy till you're 40 in this pitching market just doesn't seem like something that many people are going to be willing to do. Uh, a guy that isn't giving those workhorse innings, isn't striking out a million batters a game. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where Blake Snell's final contract ends. Uh, he is waiting everybody out at this point. I think he's hoping that Jordan Montgomery signs somewhere first. So he can at least get more than Montgomery's level. But Montgomery is also playing the cat and mouse game with Blake Snell and hoping that Blake Snell signs for an ungodly amount of money and he can be the discount version and get a really nice lump of cash for himself as well. The rumors around Snell have been kind of outrageous. The Angels have been a serious player in the Blake Snell race. Boston Red Sox have been involved, but they're shedding payroll, so they're not going to pay him $30 million for nine years uh, with what they're doing currently. So the teams that are in on him, it is kind of shocking to hear. Uh, I didn't expect the Dodgers to do that after they signed Yamamoto, Otani, and extended Tyler Glasnow. But the San Francisco Giants, man, the fact that they are out on Blake Snell should be a problem. Uh, the fact that they bring in Bob Melvin, who was his manager over in San Diego, I thought that fit made way too much sense. They were looking for another frontline starter to compete in that NL West. And the fact that the Giants aren't even a finalist for Blake Snell means that Bob Melvin doesn't love Blake Snell, whether that's for the long term, whether that's as a person in the locker room. I don't understand what it quite is, but he's not willing to back up Blake Snell and say, bring him to San Francisco with me, give him a boatload of cash right in McCovey Cove. But it's a, uh, it's really interesting to see that Blake Snell's asking for so many years. Uh, I understand you only get one big payday usually in the major leagues. Um, but, you know, being the top pitcher, free agent pitcher in the market, uh, international was Yamamoto, obviously, has its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages because when teams can get guys like Imanaga and Frankie Montas, 
and guys that won't give you Blake Snell innings, but they will give you some innings for half the price, basically, per year. A lot of teams are going to take that out. So you really are limiting yourself to a handful of contenders. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if things start getting chippy with the Blake Snell market that a team like the Mets, who's been shut out by pitching all offseason long, comes in and gives him $26 million for five years or something like that. Uh, but I would be shocked right now if Blake Snell gets the nine years he's asking for. Uh, he's someone that I think will get seven years tops. Uh, on the open market, he has the mileage where you feel okay with six, seven years. Uh, but you know that there's going to be an innings limit uh, he, you're going to have to have a good bullpen behind him. And something that's been majorly wrong with the current state of baseball is that the later innings is really what matters. I mean, it's not that you can't lose a game in the first five innings, but a lot of games are decided in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And if your starter can't give the bullpen some rest, or give you some length to use your bullpen appropriately, especially when teams are using bullpens to throw entire games now with openers and everybody doing one to two innings of work to get through a game instead of using a starting pitcher. Guys like Blake Snell are looking more and more like the norm, and there's so many guys at a smaller price tag that you can get. And it might not be the quality of those five innings, but you're going to get chances to use your bullpen in the same exact way. So Blake Snell's market. I hope he doesn't sign with the Red Sox personally. Uh, we need some, we need a starting pitcher. We really do. But the way that they're marketing uh, everything else, I just don't think that's where you spend your money. Uh, I kind of said the same thing with Trevor story is uh, that's where you're deciding to spend your money. When Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers were coming up on extensions and they, they still needed pitching men. But it'll be interesting to see where he lands. If he last, if he signs with the Angels, that'll just be laughably bad. Uh, them giving him a boatload of money to pitch on an arguably last place team—it's uh, it's just really sad. And I know Ron Washington's a great guy, coach, Mike Trout's a future Hall of Famer, but that roster is putrid. It doesn't have a huge future. That's uh, gonna be sad if a guy who won the Cy Young in both leagues comes back to the American League, but to, for money and not to be on a team that's at least decent. So Blake Snell, let me know in the comments in the chat where you think he will end up. Uh, I still think San Francisco makes the most sense, but the fact that they haven't been a finalist, they haven't been a serious contender this entire time, worries me about Blake Snell in general, let alone uh, where he's going to end up. The rich get richer, ladies and gentlemen, because Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves genius general manager has signed an extension with the team through 2031. Yes. The man who arguably has ruined baseball to everybody outside of Atlanta is staying home. And I'm assuming that he didn't take a team friendly deal. Uh, he, he got paid what he was worth, but when you look at the GM market, he was someone that was willing to bet on players early and sign them to extensions. He wouldn't trade for a player unless he could extend them a la Sean Murphy, 
Matt Olson, Chris Sale. He doesn't trade significant assets for players if he's not going to then extend them. And the young players in-house, he extends them right away, which is good for the player because they get that long-term security. But it's also good for the team because they end up being better than average major leaguers. It's usually a deal. The Ozzie Albies contract is one of the worst in Major League Baseball, and it has two team options for 2025 and 2026. So he's going to be stuck there getting paid severely under market to be one of the best hitting second basemen in baseball. Ronald Acuna's contract is talked about all the time, $100 million, which at the time sounded great when he missed a lot of their World Series year with an injury. It also seemed great for Ronald Acuna to have that insurance but as soon as you get a full season of Prime Acuna, you know that the Braves got a steal there too. Alex Anthopoulos, genius mind, a guy who's been able to also develop some pitching. Uh, Max Freed coming up as well as Spencer Strider and the boys. Like uh, Bryce Elder was an all-star. They, they have guys that they've been able to bring up in the rotation. They've made good signings. They've made good trades. And the extensions they've given to their young core, Michael Harris, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies. It's absolutely unreal that they have these guys locked up at the price points that they do. And they've almost ruined it for the rest of the league because a lot of other teams are taking notice. A lot of other players are taking notice on the free agent market, what these superstar players get once they hit free agency. Yes, they have to play the arbitration game for a while to get to free agency, but once they do, they get two to $400 million. And to most players, they'll take that bet on themselves over doing the Jackson Churio thing and signing for 82. So Alex Anthopoulos, congratulations, Braves fans. You guys found an amazing executive. I don't blame you for locking him up but it's really sad for the rest of the league. Uh, Things have changed with free agency, with extensions. You've seen, like I said, Yamamoto getting the biggest pitcher contract in MLB history without pitching an inning in the major leagues. Jackson Churio getting the most money for a player that's played less than 10 games in AAA, no major league experience. You're seeing teams trying to think outside the box, Uh, even the Julio Rodriguez extension where there's all different kinds of things that can make that deal a superstar contract, but on the basis level, it's more reasonable for Seattle if he doesn't end up panning out. So teams are getting creative with how they extend their young players. Uh, The arbitration nonsense is absolutely brutal. Uh, I saw with the players that didn't match on arbitration where they were off with what the team valued them at. Casey Mize, former number one overall pick of the Detroit Tigers, who has been rehabbing his butt off for the last year and a half after having Tommy John surgery. The Tigers were off with his evaluation of himself by $35,000. And they're going to court about it. I'm not joking. That is a poverty franchise move, especially when you're paying Jack Flaherty. And Kenta Maeda, I believe it's like $35 million for just this season. And you won't give $35,000, which in the Major League Baseball world, I don't care if you're the poorest team in the league. 
$35,000 is nothing. This is a guy you picked number one overall. You've had in-house. He's shown flashes of frontline starter ability. He's been rehabbing his butt off. I got to see him throwing a bullpen session at Fenway last year when the tires were in town. And he wants 35000 more than what your books say, and you take him to court for it? That's just unbelievable to me. Um, and things like that are happening all over baseball. Executives not treating players right, not getting these contracts done, uh, going through arguments in court where they basically have to bash the player as to why they're not valued at what they say they are. And it's just unbelievable that guys like Alex Anthopoulos were able to be ahead of his time, crack the code, and get a happy franchise together that has a significant World Series window here for the next five, six, seven seasons. Uh, So congratulations, Alex, and uh, the Braves are going to be very lucky to have you in their corner going forward. Here at the Solo Shot Sports Podcast, we like to throw back down the third baseline to this day in baseball history and keep the rich stories of America's pastime alive. There was a lot of great moments for January 20th, um, and one that I wanted to highlight because I watched an amazing video about this player uh, that I'm also going to leave in the description below. On this date, Ted Williams was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, Ted Williams, as many of you know, is considered the greatest hitter that ever lived, um, at least from the left side of the plate. And he wrote the book on hitting. Joey Votto, to this day, keeps the book of hitting by Ted Williams in his locker. He lives by it when he plays at Fenway. He says it gives him like special powers and ampage. But Ted Williams is more than a hitting legend. When he got elected in 1966, it was on the first ballot. And that is ironic. This video by Stark Raving Sports talked about why Ted Williams missed out on being baseball's GOAT, the greatest of all time. Every sport has one. Uh, It's usually pretty unanimous. Wayne Gretzky, above and beyond, has all the NHL records and considered the NHL GOAT. Uh, Michael Jordan, at least in my humble opinion, has been the basketball GOAT for a long time. And then even in football, Tom Brady with his seven championships and all the passing records that he has. But baseball, it's kind of up in the air. And it's interesting. There's arguments for Babe Ruth, who, from a war perspective during his time, was the most revolutionary player ever. He was a true world icon. And hit more home runs than anybody else during his time. There's Willie Mays, who was Major League's first true five-tool player and put together an amazing career. But Ted Williams, just from a hitting perspective, he doesn't have the speed or the fielding tools that Willie Mays had. But from a hitting perspective, he was just flat out better than both of them. and. This video by Stark Raving Sports kind of went through his whole career and showed that the writers should have given him more MVPs than they did. He won two MVPs in his illustrious career. Both of them were after he served 
is ages 24, 25, and 26 seasons in World War II. And then he is the only other, the only Major League Hall of Famer that served in two wars because in 1952 and 1953, respectively, he served most of those years in Korea as the Air Force combat veteran. So Ted Williams wasn't just an amazing pilot and American hero, but he was a baseball legend. And they do a great job going through all the years he should have won MVP, but also talking about how despite missing basically five years in his mid-20s and two in his mid-30s, that Ted Williams was still able to amass 1,798 runs scored, 2,654 hits, 525 doubles, 71 triples for a guy that was not known for his speed, 521 career home runs, 1,839 RBIs, and he walked over 2,000 times. 2,021 walks to only 709 strikeouts. There are only two members of the 500 home run club that have struck out less than 1,000 times. Mel Ott and Ted Williams. Ted Williams batted 344 for his career, winning six batting titles during his tenure in the major leagues. His 482 on-base percentage is the record of all time. He got on base nearly half the at-bats that he had in the major leagues. And he led the league in on-base percentage a whopping 11 times. His slugging percentage for his career was 634. Usually 500 is looked at as amazing. And his OPS for his career was over 1,000. He was 91% better than the average major leaguer during his time. And that's park adjusted for Fenway being a band box that was great for left-handed hitters. 191 career OPS plus over 4,800, almost 4,900 total bases in his career. And 258 intentional walks. I know Barry Bonds has shattered that record, but in a game where walking somebody was considered like a baseball sin, he was walked intentionally 258 times and then earned a walk another 2,020. He got MVP votes in many seasons. One, two, finished second in four more and was third in another year as well. So he's a guy that could have five, six, seven MVPs. And if he played the years that he was in the military, who knows? He could have had 10. But the writers didn't like him. And that video did a great job talking about that. But they liked him enough and respected him enough to not play games and put him into the Hall of Fame, the first ballot. And one of the other sad moments uh, that happened on January 20th, baseball history, was Negro League legend Josh Gibson passed away at the age of 35. He died young, and he was known as the Negro League's Babe Ruth. He was a catcher, 
and his statistics were amazing from what they were able to recover from that time. But Ted Williams talked about in his Hall of Fame speech that he hopes that Satchel Paige and Josh Gibson get to join him in Cooperstown because they deserve it. He might have been crass. He might have known he was the best and been arrogant. He might be in multiple Hall of Fames, both for his piloting, for his fishing, and for his baseball heroics. But Ted Williams was a true baseball lifer. He managed for many years after he played and put together, in my opinion, still the greatest hitting career of all time, missing five seasons that were age 34 and younger. His final season in the major leagues, he was 41 years old, and he stamped it with his 29th home run of the season in his final at-bat, a guy who in his final season was 90% better than the average major league hitter at 41. So if you ever get bored or want to talk the baseball goat conversation, just don't forget Ted Williams. And if you are, go see all the black on that baseball reference page, all the things he was able to achieve. And just think about those years to serving our great Rounding things out here, Josh Hader, star reliever, has agreed to a contract with the Houston Astros. Five years, $95 million. Now, Josh Hader got a lot of flack last year during the Padres debacle of a season because he was saying that he flat out doesn't pitch multiple innings. He hasn't done that all year. Uh, When asked about it, they were trying to make the wild card spot for the Padres. He got a lot of flack for that. I talked about earlier how with the way pitchers and bullpens are being used, you got to have specialists and have plans for how you utilize your team top to bottom with the pitching. And Josh Hader, like most closers in today's game, is a one-inning guy. But his one innings are absolute gas. This is a guy that, even though he is in his late 20s, has been an absolute force in the bullpen since he started closing for the Brewers back in 2017. This is a guy who has five all-star appearances already. He was the National League Reliever of the Year three of his six seasons and truly just an unbelievable force a guy who has only led the league in saves once, and it was the COVID-shortened season with 13. But in his seasons here, he has had 37, 34, 36, 29, and uh, and 33 saves, respectively. He's a guy that just goes out there and closes the book when you have a win on the line. And he's a guy that, despite the innings only being at 388, he strikes out 648 batters so far in his career. That's a 15 strikeout per nine. Like He is a bullpen weapon. And I didn't predict the Astros to be his landing spot, 
A lot of people were thinking the Dodgers were going to continue to get rich and they were going to add him to that bullpen and in some games go from a Yamamoto or a Glasnow to a bullpen that ends with hair. But the Astros came out of the brew, uh, came out of the blue, and they were able to get the deal done. This deal makes him the highest paid reliever uh, in this short period of time because the Edwin Diaz deal uh, actually has deferred money for his injuries and different things. And the $95 million makes him the highest paid straight up contract reliever of all time. So congratulations to Josh Hader. Having Ryan Presley and Josh Hader at the back of that bullpen, I was waiting for the Astros to make a move. Uh, I feel like with Dusty Baker retiring and with them not uh, getting the job done in October this year, that they needed a splash. Uh, They were able to get Justin Verlander back uh, for pennies, and uh, I wanted to see them add something that gets me excited. And this is exactly what I was fearing uh, for the rest of the American League. The Astros will not back down. And having that bullpen bolstered with a Josh Hader uh, to add to Ryan Presley and all the guys that throw gas in that bullpen, uh, I am excited to see what the Astros can do this season uh, with the loss of Dusty Baker, but still having an amazing core of talent. I appreciate each and every one of you for stopping in with me this week. Uh, as well as those of you that will listen to the recording afterward on podcast or YouTube. Hope you guys have an amazing solo shot Saturday, uh, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.